another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we shoot the breeze for an hour about movies, TV shows, trailers, and anything else pop culture. After a drought of entertainment options, we're back to talk about the bombardment of movies coming up this fall season. In today's episode, we'll be sharing our thoughts on some of the Marvel What If episodes we've missed, as well as some Sony's new movie, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. My name is Emmett, and I'm joined, as always, by my omnipresent co-host, Ivan. I see everything, but comment on nothing, and then say a few things. And that's yeah, <laughs> I, I subscribe to your religion. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, Ivan, how's your break been? We, we've taken like two weeks off, two and a half weeks off. It was great. I got to do a lot of self-reflection. Um, I think I'm in a much, much no, no, better spot. Who, who, than who cares about that ago. stuff? Who, no, I don't care about that stuff. Like any shows you've been watching? Oh, oh, you're talking about the interesting stuff. Um, yeah, not your feelings or anything like that. <laughs> I did catch up on some Backyardigans. Um, I saw some Bluey. Um, I also caught up. Basically all the preschool stuff I've been watching. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, I've done some babysitting <laughs> in the last two weeks. Yeah, oh, hopefully. <laughs> Otherwise, we got a problem. Well, I I do gotta say though, for anyone anyone that may be listening, that's also a parent. Bluey is a fantastic show. I'm just gonna put it out there. Anything like Blue's Clues, or is it like totally off it's genre? An, no, it's an Australian show about <laughs> this blue puppy. <laughs> that's there's no clues involved with this i swear oh sorry okay that's the only difference there. all right no, it's great though like on, honestly i may maybe i'm just like in a really weird state but it's a good show is my point that's it that's all i'm gonna all spend right. time on all right yeah i'm like a few years late to it but uh i've been watching billions finally and i'm and i'm into it i wasn't a succession fan though and every time i say billions to someone they go Oh, and Succession, right? So I'm here to be proof that you can like one and not the other. How far off are we from Billions? I thought it was like a recent, like a 2018 show. Uh, I think their most recent season was definitely during COVID because they made a point to talk about it and also have masks on. But I think the first season came out a while ago. You got to love how they got Worked it into shows. Yeah, like I've seen it everywhere. I wanted to get away from COVID. I want them to pretend like it doesn't exist. <laughs> I guess That's it's kind of hard when they're like requiring you to social distance on set. I guess before uh, when we were in the middle of it more so than right now. But Yeah. Yeah, I think it's going to be in a lot more shows now retroactively. Uh, but let's get into the news segment because we got a pretty packed episode here. we got a lot to talk about. I feel like... Um... Honestly, I was surprised we didn't get another Spider-Man trailer <laughs> in our break, because with our luck, it probably would have dropped at this point. Well, there was, like, a re-edited version of the trailer. Not, like, new scenes, but kind of, like, a new order of stuff, I guess. Was that the international one? The one that was, like, at the beginning of Venom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I, think, um, I think that technically is the international trailer. Yeah, it was like cut a little bit different, and the lighting was a little bit bit better because you could see like the actual paw of uh, what's his name, the alligator guy, a lizard. <laughs> yeah, lizard. How did I forget that one? Yeah, <laughs> uh, right which fans like did freak out over, and I was like, okay, let's uh, let's pump the brakes. It's nothing new here. Yeah, I did appreciate the better lighting 
it, it made me, especially for anybody that's going to screen grab anything, it'll probably give you a better image than the pixelated mess that I've seen passed around of yeah. that particular moment. Uh, but from news, I feel like the one that jumped out to me was one thing that we talked about a while ago, uh, ScarJo suing Disney. Uh, it actually got a settlement undisclosed, so we don't know how much it was for. But uh, I have to picture it was a lot. I'm hearing it was like about um, $100 million or something like that. How is that possible? Because didn't the uh, – so the box office was what, like – 60 million right and then there was like another 80 in the at-home sales right yeah i i so i think the way that they because the, the the issue with uh, or the whole basis for the suit was that she alleges that disney intentionally crippled the release by releasing right. day and day release on disney plus um but because I think the projections before were that the film was going to make about a billion dollars because Marvel had been on a roll almost every no one of their movies. No way that was going to happen. <laughs> I don't think so either. I feel like um, because I think word of mouth is what gets you over the billion dollar mark. Right. And I, th- I think that the amount of people that were kind of disappointed. I, I think it's just not being in a uh, pandemic get you a billion dollars <laughs> like i'm sure it could have if there wasn't any like restrictions on capacity seating or fear of like going out in public it's possible because it was coming off of a lot of uh, highs from marvel but i don't know i don't think it would have been as popular to get up there i think it would have definitely earned more like substantially more than it did but i don't think yeah i agree i, I don't think it would have reached a billion dollars if anything I, had a chance at a billion, it would have been Shang Chi. That's true. I, I feel like um, Black Widow was a three hundred million dollar domestic. Yeah. Tops. Yeah. Like that's probably what we're, we were going to see it at. Um, so she's getting a hundred mil. Speculating. That's a really good settlement. Yeah, that speculation comes out of the fact that apparently Disney or the ScarJo's team is very happy with the result, and her asking price I think was a hundred and twenty mil or so. And so some of the insiders were saying that it's likely that she got the amount. Otherwise, the suit probably would have continued. That's insane. What do you do with that much money? <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be like enough is enough length, you know. But I, I unless she like turns around and gives it out to like like feminist movement activist groups, that would be awesome to like turn a dirty Disney money into an actual cause. That's not what's going to happen with that. No, it's, it's turn not. Into a but like, boss moment. But it, I don't know. It should. It would be great PR for her, even if it, if she was just doing altruism for a selfish reason. True. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like there was no winner in this um, in this suit other than maybe the the audience, right? Because this means we probably will get to see ScarJo again in another project because they immediately signed her for the uh, Tower of Terror. Uh, yeah, they so they're back on working terms, I guess. Part of the conditions. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, hey, here's a hundred mil, please, please, just stop. <laughs> Good on her though. Good yeah, on her. I mean, you got to speak up for yourself, especially when it's like a, an agreement like that, and then they just immediately backstab you. True. But moving on, but also still continuing talking about box office numbers here. Yeah. Um, Venom 
<laughs> which we're going to heavily talk about in this episode, but Venom surpassed Shang-Chi's opening box office this weekend, and the word passed its own domestic intake for the first film. So that was crazy in of itself, but we're talking about a $90.1 million domestic opening for a three-day weekend uh, and taking in $103.9 million global, which is to to kind of give shed some light on everybody. This is pre-pandemic numbers. Yeah. That's and insane that they one. beat their first Venom. During a pandemic. <laughs> I can't believe that. And it's only a month or so after Shang-Chi. So it's like, how are people's perceptions? Like, are we back finally? Like, I don't, I don't understand. Because I feel like the turnout would have been bigger for Marvel than for this. I don't, so I think I attribute it to one thing, and that's Spider-Man. And we can probably talk mm-hmm. about it when we talk about the movie. But I think a very strong word of mouth about a particular scene. Spoilers, don't. <laughs> There's an element of the movie that people can't help but talk about, especially on social media, and I feel like that's what drove more, um, you know, more more ticket sales over the last over the course of the of the um, opening week. Yeah, true. I'll say that I didn't reserve any tickets for opening weekend until I got. I considered going Thursday. I think I told you about this too. I considered going Thursday, but I actually couldn't find a open ticket really yeah wow so i then had to settle for going there were friday six people in my theater i mean i I did go to a friday after work but that's uh yeah difference between suburbs jersey and new york city <laughs> don't you usually just watch movies like in a like in matinee though isn't that like five more i usually do but i i really wanted to see this one so i went after work on friday also you were actually looking for a crowd and you didn't get one not that I was looking for a crowd, but I was surprised that uh, there wasn't a crowd. It's crazy to me that we got this because I saw it Friday night, I believe, um, and it was a packed theater. Mm. Really, really packed theater. <laughs> oh, um, just we live different lifestyles, man. I guess so. <laughs> that that Shang Chi premiere. I talked about this on the last episode, but. I think I noted that there were the only the first two rows were not filled for Shang-Chi. They were filled for Venom. Wow. So, so we'll discuss no if it's worth it or not. Yeah, we'll we'll see. <laughs> also, I guess for Shang-Chi too is um Disney announced their what they call it Disney Day coming up in November where uh or their Disney Plus Day where they're going to put a lot of different releases out, so Shang-Chi being one of them. Um isn't Black Widow also coming out? Not on um, that day. Not on that day. I think I think Black Widow's actually out this week, this Friday on Disney. Oh really? Plus. Yeah. And then I saw Jungle again. Cruise, a few other like shows, and then they also did. They said that there's there's going to be a Star Wars and a Marvel special or something like that. Yes, uh, we're getting some sort of Boba Fett special, which I have to think is a behind the scenes thing um i i don't think they'll show us a full-on uh book of boba fett episode i hope I'm that's wrong. coming out in december right yeah december okay. 29th so, so i imagine it's just gonna be like a uh kind of like what marvel did with uh all the like before all the shows and stuff like that they just do like a highlight package almost but you're picturing it behind think- the scenes I think it's a behind the scenes. I like I don't think that this is going to be like a 
because Marvel does those like I forgot what they call it Marvel Marvel Legends or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's the case for here because what what do they have the spotlight Empire Strikes Back? That's it. Um. Well, most like look at like Falcon and Winter Soldier. Falcon only had like a couple of movies to highlight, so I mean they could do like from the original movies and then from Mandalorian. If you just get Filoni talking for a little bit, he'll fill up the 10 minutes required. <laughs> Honestly, man, I could listen to that man talk for an hour. I feel like he like if, always has some interesting stuff. Yeah, stories. if he could go over like Phantom Menace one more time, I would listen. <laughs> <laughs> he really does make you like respect the prequel trilogy a lot more than like you would take it on face value. I don't know if these are on Disney Plus, but there's uh, clone, the Clone Wars. Um, I bought the Blu-ray box set couple of years ago mm-hmm. and there are behind the scenes for each and every episode so there's like a 20 minute behind the scenes feature and it's it's all day filoni basically but it's it's so good there's so many insights to it that it's like if they have it on disney plus it should be under the extra section like you should take a look at it it's pretty cool i definitely will check that out yeah but that's definitely that's a show I'm I'm really looking forward to. I mean, I would like the Mandalorian, but I'm hearing now that like um, what's his name Oscar Isaac might not even be in it. In or Pedro you mean, Pascal. Uh, Pedro Pascal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, because he's shooting. Um, production actually started this week, apparently, um, and he's supposedly wrapping up uh, The Last of Us for Sony Pictures. Wait, no, I'm mistaken. That I think that's for HBO Max. We clearly prepped for this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on before we dig a deeper hole. <laughs> Similar in tune, though, Book of Boba Fett's episode titles have leaked. I'm not going to spill them here on the podcast. because You don't like do maybe, that. Yeah. We're not gotcha um, journalists. None of, them, none of them really see spoilery at all, though. Um, but the one interesting thing that I did want to just point out here... Um, and I think it's fair to say this because there's no spoiler element to it, I, w- I would assume. But it's continuing the chapter numbers for uh, The Mandalorian. So we left off with Chapter 16 on the Mel- end of The Mandalorian Season 2. Hmm. And the first episode of Book of Boba Fett is Chapter 17. I wonder if they're con- like considering this all just like one sequence type of thing. Like Old Testament Bible kind of thing? Like it goes the Book of John. Yeah. Of, you know. I mean, I wouldn't go with biblical comparisons (laughs) for for star wars but yeah exactly like that man (laughs) it's not exactly like that but it's kind of like that (laughs) which i guess makes luke skywalker jesus oh my gosh the book of luke (laughs) (laughs) you heard it first here he did go old testament on uh on the finale of mandalorian so true true (laughs) but that's exciting i'm excited it's very far away though december 29th uh, it's not that far away. This has been like the fastest year, I feel like. Is it though? I feel like it I'm is. It's been Spider-Man. like I feel like we've been jumping from one show or one movie to another where like I don't even get hyped for future movies because I'm hyped for the movie coming up like this weekend or what just came out last weekend. That is true. Like Next. if you look at this fall slate, there is like a n- no break weekend. Maybe well, like one because they kind of kicked the can down the road so to speak right <laughs> yeah like, so that's why 2020 was terrible and then besides the pandemic but that's exactly why <laughs> our entertainment is finally here 
but it's too much. It is a little too much at times. They did have to shift stuff over. Like Miss Marvel's no longer uh, premiering in 2021. It's going to be premiering in 2022. It's mm-hmm. there's a lot that's kind of shifted around, and I feel like right now we're just feeling the effects of all the summer blockbusters scrambling to get out now yeah. before the end of the year. Fallbusters. We got to get those those uh, uh, Disney executives their bonuses, of course. Of course, before the quarter ends. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, any last news? Um, the last thing, I think this one's kind of up your alley here, but da- Daniel Craig's final Bond film debuted oh, overseas. I cannot wait to go see that this weekend. $119 million overseas. <laughs> That's insane. That is a lot. I, I wonder, though, how it's going to fare here in the States. It's going to do amazing. It's going to be 100 You think so? I feel I like so. Bond has always done... Most of it's money overseas versus um, on the domestic side, except for Casino Royale. I know that one. Like, like, like you said, it's his finale. I think people want to go see that and be a part of it, especially like even if you didn't like the middle ones or some of the middle ones or whatever combination of it, everybody you talked to loved Casino Royale. So it, even if it, you're just going to go see it for the bookends, just to get the beginning and the finale of it, you're going to go see it. I can't wait for James Bond's debut in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> I hear there's a leak scene with uh, Spider-Man and James Bond team up. Oh, that would be so sweet. <laughs> and have Sean Connery digitally remastered. <laughs> I do need to go back and watch the other James Bonds. Because uh, I'm sad to admit that I've never actually watched like the original stuff. We should start a Bond cast after we binge all the James Bond movies. Ooh. That might force me to actually live up to this promise I'm making. You know what? I can't, I'm kind of into it, too. We could do, like, one <laughs> Bond film a month. <laughs> the Bond series. Yeah. All right. I'm into it. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for that this weekend. I'm gonna, I might even buy, you know, popcorn from the theater. Wow. I usually just sneak in Reese's Pieces. I know. I've seen you sneak <laughs> in Reese's Pieces. <laughs> Honestly, that's, the, that's my top tier candy for a movie. You know what my top tier movie snack is? Snack? It's yeah. probably that rotisserie hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> or Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A, of course. Wait, are you talking about like seriously, are you talking about like something you would like you could buy at a movie theater? No, I I, I feel like Or I you can say Chick-fil-A. No, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A, ever since uh, we did it for the first time, was we snuck it in for like four movies straight. That was the best. I can't. Every time I'm in the city, that's my go-to now. Like, <laughs> you know what? Let me go get a spicy chicken sandwich. We got so many reward points just from going to see Spider-Man. This is why I stayed overweight. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a candy uh, movie, th- like a movie theater snack rank episode. We can title it "Let's All Go to the Lobby" because technically. Oh yes. Yeah. (laughs) Let's do it. All right. Let's move on from news uh, because before we get into Venom, I want to get your thoughts on the "What If" episodes that we've haven't talked about since our last one. So that would be episode seven, aka Party Thor, and then episode eight, Infinity Ultron. Let's uh, let's start with seven. So that was the one where if Thor was an only child. And Odin had given back Loki to the Frost Giants. Well, what was your thoughts on it? I know we're a few weeks away from it, so 
Well, my immediate takeaway is, like, the Frost Giants must have, like, an intense gym regime, right? Because, like, Loki was shredded. Yeah, and they're way taller in comparison to Thor than they were in the first Thor movie. So I feel like they were definitely taking some, like, HGH or something like that. Definitely. And the fact that they're still technically bros, very lovely to see. Yeah, there Um, were fun parts in there, like that, for sure. I enjoyed the fun aspects of the episode. I feel like overall, though, this might be the weakest one for me. (laughs) Easily, yeah. It's, like, we can talk about, like, the portrayal of of, of the female characters in here. That might be one. But I feel like overall, this episode just kind of seemed like almost like a retread of all the progress that the series made up to that point. Um. Or not a yeah. retread, I guess, like a, like a couple steps back. Um, to me, this episode rivals the first episode as like a little, you know, it's enjoyable enough, but it's a little subpar and it just it didn't quite stick the landing for me. It feels unimaginative. It, and it's like, it's a really good idea for a base of an episode. But yeah, I mean, the first episode probably still is the most boring just because it wasn't that far off of what the plot that actually happened but yeah this one was just like i think what they were trying to do is they realized they had like three really dark episodes in a row and maybe they were just trying to be like let's cool the tension off before we get into episode eight nine and how we end this this series but yeah i just thought like and i texted you i was just like i was very surprised that like how they portrayed every female character they were all like either really ditzy or like hostile or they couldn't formulate like an attack plan or some sort of intelligent idea like it was really weird to see it was odd and i feel like it was all just kind of plotted out that way so that we could get the captain marvel versus thor fight which visually was great but also like i would have liked some substance leading up to it instead of just being like here we did all this just to have these two go at it. But even she was just like, I don't know. She didn't fight smart. Not like a like Captain Marvel would. And it's like, did she get impacted by them not being siblings too? Yes. The whole world <laughs> did apparently. Yeah. So it was weird to see uh, that he could just destroy worlds just from partying so hard. Um, but hey, that's the plot that they chose to go with. Yeah. And you know what? I'll, I will support the uh, Darcy Howard the Duck relationship. I think the <laughs> Darcy Howard the Duck slander on social media is totally unwarranted. I 100% support that. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you support it, all right. Ducks need love too. I'm just saying. <laughs> what the duck? <laughs> uh, you know what they say, though. Once you go duck, you, you don't go back. I thought it was you don't go cluck or something like that. I can't remember what he said in the movie in Guardians. <laughs> You're out of luck. That was it. Rhymes enough. <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense, but it rhymes. All right, so the seven was kind of a flop. Definitely worth a skip. But uh, episode eight, where Ultron doesn't lose the fight and goes on to conquer and get all the Infinity Stones. What was your thoughts on this one? Um, wow, Tony Stark is dying in almost every single one of these episodes. That was How many my times we got to watch Tony die? I know. I was like, yo, Endgame broke my heart, but now it's just getting repetitive that every time he's on screen, I'm like, all right, when's this guy going to die? Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was good. I, I think uh, 
my my one complaint i guess about the whole show is that it's kind of pulling us back into this thing of like we need to find some connective tissue between all of them mm-hmm. and i guess that was the intention when you rewatch some of the episodes because obviously you have the consistency of the the watcher there but i just feel like there wasn't any build-up to actually make this a multiversal threat of sorts i would have loved to have seen ultron in episode one and just kind of build him up if this was where we were going with things but um there were just certain elements that kind of you know didn't really land well with me thanos getting um sliced in half yeah essentially like i get it we're going with different scenarios (laughs) he would have applauded his own demise there (laughs) i don't know it just it, it felt just a little short but Again, I, I, I'm trying not to be too overly critical about this series only because I feel like they're just trying something different outside of the normal scope. And I appreciate the fact that they are, right? Like, we're not just retreading the same things. But I also feel like they could have put a little bit more effort to make that connective tissue more um, convincing, I guess. Yeah, I think they... I, I do also applaud that they're trying something new. This is the first, like comic marvel of this era so it's really tough for them to break an audience that's used to live action into this uh but yeah i feel like i don't know ever since watching loki and realizing that you can kind of just turn off infinity stones i don't really understand this threat as like ultron being all powerful i would expect the watcher to know how to counter that and uh it was really weird to see well, Kang lives outside of the multiverse in general, right? So I think the Watcher just doesn't have the premium subscription service to tune into that. Mm. So he missed out. So this is essentially like missing out one of the Avengers films and then going into Infinity War without seeing everything else. He's still on like Falcon Winter Soldier. He hasn't binged Loki yet. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. I, I mean, who who does want to pay for another service? Like there's so many of them now. I get it. Yeah, I'm sick of it. But they uh, keep expanding their library, so I'll stay in. I do want to see a live-action version of The Watcher, just because he's such an iconic character from the comics. Um, he was pretty but I, badass. He was fighting really well. He was. And I, I did find it funny, though, that <laughs> in this episode, he is narrating as he, as Ultron is realizing <laughs> he's there. <laughs> yeah, as his demise is approaching, he becomes aware. Yeah, it was kind oh, of funny. Wait, what's happening? <laughs> Wait a yeah, minute. that was good. And it was, uh, I guess it was cool to see them work back in, uh, what's that Hydra scientist name? Um, The guy with the eye patch, right? I forgot his name. No, the computer kid. Oh, wait, why, why am I forgetting? The cyborg. <laughs> um, Zola. Ar- Zola. Armin Zola. Yeah. It was cool to see them work him back in. I wanted to see him as a giant television screen inside of a like chubby robot, just like the way he's portrayed in the comics. <laughs> just like go all, all right. out. It's animation anyway, you know? All right. That could work. <laughs> but, so we have one episode left on this, right? Yeah. One more cut and that's ten. it. And I, if I have to see Gamora trend anymore, uh, I'll lose it. I I get it, guys. She was in the trailer, and it's going to be her episode next. Let's calm down. We're going to get our girl boss moment with Gamora, and I'm so for it. Yeah. Are people really missing Gamora that much ever since she was yeeted off the cliff? 
She wasn't. I mean, I guess she was. Yeah. What am I, I saying? Mean, she's sort of back, right? Yeah. I didn't know she had that big of a fan base. To be totally honest with you. Yeah. That that's what I hate about the Marvel fan base. Sometimes it's like they idolize some characters that they've never cared about, just to be like almost like a hipster, like to make it seem like it, they were a fan always. I guess so, but I think I like that level of hype more than I like the than I see the negativity on the Star Wars fandom <laughs> side of things. Mm. It's like the extremes of both ends. You know what I'm saying? Like over yeah, there really Wars, is no middle ground. Just be like, that's no. a that's an okay character. I, it doesn't yeah. resonate with me, but they're okay. Basically, what I'm trying to say is the amount of race slander is too much. Yeah, I gotta tone it down. <laughs> For real. Although Ray versus Gamora would be a fight I'd like to see. <laughs> well, one has the force, <laughs> so I feel like one might win that easily. <laughs> I just want to just use that yellow lightsaber. That'll forever be my gripe about. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oddly enough, my biggest gripe of them. You're only one? No, I have a list, but I'm just saying, <laughs> like, that yellow lightsaber, you couldn't have given her that at the beginning of the movie? Come on, J.J. Abrams. I love Jesus. how it looks like that pen from, like, the 90s that had, like, three different inks in it. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded 90s. me of that. I don't know. I still use that for work today, <laughs> sir. <laughs> All right, well, you're living in the 90s. I am. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what if we're going to wrap it up next week and uh let's move on to the main attraction of this episode what venom. if we saw venom <laughs> <laughs> what if there is carnage what if there's an after the credit scene <gasps> um let's do spoiler free general thoughts first for anyone still hanging in there who hasn't seen it can i just do a quick psa real quick before we get into our spoiler thoughts is this a spoiler psa no, just a general PSA. Okay, general PSAs watching, are fun. If you're watching a superhero movie of any kind and the credits start to roll, stay in your damn seats, people. <laughs> they really do leave so early. I know, like a quarter of the theater leaves, and I'm just like... <laughs> are, you do you not what? get it by now? Yeah. L- listen, I have a small bladder, too. I totally get the the um you know allure of having to go to the bathroom, but Jesus... It's a superhero movie. Let's have we learned nothing in the last ten years. There's always an after yeah. credit scene. Yeah. Anyways, and, um, after the credits. This one was confusing though, because they like I saw an article said that there was one, and then another one called it as two. So it was a little confusing. But just to confirm, in a non-spoiler way, there's sort of two. One like before the credits, which looks like it's still part of the movie, and then one during the credits. And then there's one after all the credits. There isn't, in case you're looking anything up. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to be like, did I miss? Am I part of that small bladder crew? <laughs> I am. But uh, no, there was, there was none after the. No, don't there do, isn't. Don't do this to me. I know. I'm sorry. I just like to miss I, w- I kept waiting, being like, oh, I saw a thing that said there's two, so I'll keep waiting. And then nobody else was there except for the cleanup crew. And I was like, maybe that article was wrong. You had to wait till the AMC employees like, you got to go, sir. It's time to go. You can't. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. No, I, I looked it up again to read into it because I like did a quick look to be like, I don't want to see any spoilers. I just want to see one or two. And then I did a deeper dive and it said the one. And then the second one, I was like, I've seen both of these. (laughs) 
So don't get duped. Stay in there, but you don't have to stay for the whole thing. Take us away with your initial thoughts. Initial thoughts. Okay. I think um, I think if you enjoyed the first one, like the humorous aspects of the first one, and even the action, I think what like this Venom 1 and 2 does really well is that you have these like big beasts fighting, but you're never too zoomed in and you're never too zoomed out. And it never goes like too fast. They do like a, the right amount of like those slow motion hits. So all of that is great. That being said, I do think it's a little copy paste of the first movie. Um, just because you have like you're going up against Carnage, which is another symbiote. So it's kind of the same idea as fighting Riot from the first one. Uh, but I did think what was different and cool about this one was like the relationship building between um, Tom Hardy and Venom. But then also like it was kind of had like a horror vibe to it, which was cool to see in this like October time frame. And it, I never actually watched that movie, but the new mutants, new mutants movie that came out kind of had that same, uh, aesthetic. So I think it plays really well for like this anti-hero. I have to echo a lot of what you said, mainly because I agree with it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So why else echo it? Um, no, so I, I I feel like this movie was for me just to kind of give I guess a little bit of background, but I I didn't really I didn't love the first movie I didn't necessarily hate it I just thought it wasn't like my it wasn't up my alley I feel like for this one it takes a little bit more fun uh with itself so I I feel like I enjoyed it a bit more I did see a lot of that horror angle uh that you're that you alluded to. Uh, but it's also, I feel like, played out because of the character of Carnage, my which which is my one disappointment in the movie that kind of sticks out of uh, out of any other critiques I may have about it. I feel like Carnage was kind of done a disservice. Like they gave us enough to make him an interesting character. I feel like he was over the top cartoony in some areas, um, which is an interesting choice for the character, but. For me, what really solidified this movie and made me like uh, enjoy it as much as I did was that dynamic between uh, the symbiote and and Eddie Brock, which uh, again, Tom Hardy is the highlight of the movie <laughs> uh, for me, uh, and he really carries the the performance through because I feel like they they didn't really hold back at all on that dynamic between Venom and, and Eddie Brock. It's definitely very different from the comics, but. It's a it's its own twist and I and I like it. I, I enjoyed it up to this point. Um, my one issue with the movie, in terms of a plot setting, is something that we can discuss in the spoiler section. But I will say that there's there's some there's an element of this movie that you'll we'll, we can't help but talk about later down the road. But um, it changes my perspective on the movie itself. Um, but we can get into that in the spoiler section. But overall, if you like the first one, you'll enjoy this one. If you didn't, you'll have the same problems with it, but I feel like this one's a little bit more enjoyable, at least to me. Yeah, it's funny that you started off saying that you didn't really like the first, not that you didn't like it, but you didn't love it as much as this one, uh, because I really enjoyed that first one, which is weird that I don't love this one because it's so similar to the same as the first. And maybe that was just it. My expectations being like, okay, you had a you had a good like first hit. 
now you're going to evolve it a little bit, but it kind of just feels like it's more of the same, which isn't a bad thing because the first one wasn't terrible. Right. I guess it, it surprises me. Some of the character choices here surprise me. Um, and it, I feel like they probably should have felt a little bit more emboldened to take a few more risks. Now, do you There's mean gonna... that like the actor character choices or like that the studio picked for this route? Um, I think that the studio kind of picked the story to go this route. Yeah. There's, there's, like, I feel like there's enough here to entice comic book readers and being like, oh, look, here's the character you've been wanting to see on screen. But they get certain key character traits so off um, that for me, at least, it's kind of like, all right, well, you could have put another character in this role and it would have played out the same way. Um, and then there's other, it just feels like, the same kind of critiques I have of other non-Marvel Sony films. Uh, and by that, I mean like any Sony movie that's a Marvel movie that starts with the in association with Marvel instead of the actual Marvel logo. Um, Sony just seems to always want to set up the future instead of focus on the movie it has. Yeah, yeah. And I think that will forever be the downfall of these movies. Um, which, again, I and to your point, the first Venom movie did none of that. Like, it didn't try overtly hard to set up the future of it, and I feel like that's the reason why it felt a little bit more focused, maybe. Yeah, it just tried to set itself up, which was great. And then this one kind of feels like, oh, that one did well? Well, all right, let's just do more of the same. Yeah, and this specifically with um, Cletus Cassidy's uh, girlfriend in this movie, it, it barely did anything to really set her up her powers or any of her background they just said you know what comic book readers are gonna know who this person is and we'll toss it in there and that's all yeah. well and good but you can't just brush it over for the general audience yeah and like the purpose of her is so obvious from the onset like onset for even non-comic book readers to be like okay they're just introducing this for this reason all right got it and it it takes away any like mystery of how this is gonna go what saves the movie a lot for me, though, is the, the comedy of it. And I, I don't yeah. know why. I usually am, like, not all that for it, but I, I was here. I think because it wasn't, like, it wasn't trying so hard. It was more just, like, conversational comedy. Uh, it wasn't, like, stand-up jokes or, like, slapstick or anything like that. It was also kind of funny to see um, the use of the symbiote dynamic. Uh, mm -hmm. And how different that kind of gets played out. Because in the comics, it, it goes a little bit different with Cletus than than it does here. Um, but we can get into that in the spoiler section. Yeah, let's let's get into that stuff. Um, I think overall, we would both recommend it just for like, if you're just looking for like a popcorn movie. But uh, if you saw the first and you weren't really a fan, maybe just skip it. And just look up the uh, after credit scene spoiler stuff. <laughs> I think it's worth a watch regardless of that. But yeah, like if, if you really are invested into the future, Marvel, Sony, anything, watch that after the credit scene. Yeah. But uh, let's get into some specific stuff. So if you haven't seen it yet and you plan to and you don't want to hear any spoilers, now's your chance to throw us on pause. All right. So do you want to start off with uh, Venom and Eddie? Slash Tom Hardy, the three of them. Yeah. I love that trio. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, the first one, 
I didn't. You had to tell me this twice, and I kept forgetting it. But uh, Tom Hardy does the voice of Venom as well. And in the first one, I had no clue. And then in this one, all I could hear was Bane. Am I the only one? You're not the only one. A buddy of mine literally texted me that as soon as he was done watching. He said, (laughs) hey, did you also hear Bane from Dark Knight Rises? (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah, sir. That's played by the same guy. it, It didn't sound like Bane in the first one. Um, like Bane has that very specific kind of like nasally powerful sound and Venom did not have that in the first one. Like I couldn't even tell it was Tom Hardy in the first, even after you told me. (laughs) I think there is some sort of like subtlety in the voice on the first movie that I think is like completely done away in this movie. Mm. Maybe what you're actually hearing is raw Tom Hardy's voice, (laughs) you know, like. And that's naturally Venom, maybe. I mean, it's not not Venom. Sorry, Bane. Um, I I can't say the same. Like, I don't think I necessarily heard Bane, but I mean, maybe it's also a character choice. Like, I don't think Tom Hardy takes voice acting bits lightly. I think he's very particular about what he's doing. Uh, he's very good at it too. So maybe he's just being like. They kind of take on a similar voice as their relationship as a symbiotic thing goes on. So maybe it's meant to sound more like him and less like an alien voice. He sounds more sinister in the first movie than he does here. Yeah, because they're just getting introduced to each other, sort of. And they're both using each other for their ends. Yeah, a lot of that kind of gets emphasized a lot more in this movie. And I, and I feel like the the comedic parts between... Because they're essentially like an old married couple. <laughs> they really are. Yeah. I really enjoyed those bits in this movie. We saw it in the last one, but I think they're more comfortable with each other, obviously. Um, but that's interesting that you say that this, it sounds like being in... Because you're not the first person to tell me this, and it's also... I don't know. I, I don't hear it. Maybe, maybe I got to go back and, and watch it again. Yeah, and I probably just need to go back and watch the first one again because I didn't uh, watch it before I went in. So maybe I just have a distorted memory of what it sounded like. But yeah, they are they are very funny together, which is funny to say because it's the same person. But uh, like all their like fights that they have in the apartment and they each have their own rules that they want to set and uh, establish like the power dynamics between them. I was dying laughing when... Uh, <laughs> when he named the chickens Sonny and Cher, I, I was like cracking up, and like all six of us in the theater were as well. <laughs> all six. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the comedic moments landed a big laugh um, in, in the, with the crowd that I saw it with. Um, and I feel like it, it it just had the right level of comedy that it's almost kind of mirroring the MCU style of comedy, but just kind of hitting you a little bit more frequently than a, a standard Marvel movie. Now, what did you think about, like, the timeline, though? Because their relationship seemed to evolve a lot since the last time we saw him in Venom 1. But then it seems like the interview with Cletus was, like, supposed to be, like, last week or something like that, right? I never got a full sense as to how things 
kind of planned out because I at first I wasn't under the impression that the movie the first movie took place maybe a year ago or so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's elements to say that it was only like maybe a month ago or so. Yeah. So that could have used clearing up because I want to know like wow, their relationship definitely did progress pretty fast, which I guess maybe it had to have been a while because um, the girl, the girlfriend gets engaged. So that must have been enough time for that to happen. But then again, it couldn't have been that long because it's also the symbiote tells him that he hasn't fed on brains for a long time. Uh, no, sorry, he has. He needs to feed on brains because uh, it's been a little while since he's eaten one, or else he might die. Because um, that's that was kind of, kind of the uh, start of the whole uh, series of issues for them. His the, the alien needs to eat humans. Yeah, and, Eddie has really strict rules, and Venom wants to be a little bit freer, but they they need each other to survive pretty much. Yeah, or else he ends up feeding off of Eddie's body. Right. Which, by the way, when you're, and this is something that I guess kind of easily missed, but like as he's traveling from host to host, uh, after the rave scene, yeah, um, he's killing all those. He's people, killing all of them. Yeah. Which, not intentionally, God, but because they can't uh, support him symbiotically. Yeah, but it's like it got a laugh out of my theater crowd. Really? I was like, I was like, uh. <laughs> Wait, which part? Like, because like that guy crawling on the floor for chocolate. Yeah. Well, not that just got that. a laugh. Yeah, that got a laugh. A dark audience, man. I don't know what was <laughs> up with it, but no, but like I noticed it when um he slips out from the party goer and then slips onto the little girl. I think right, like that was the second person that he latches onto. Um, that might have been like the fourth or fifth by then, but yeah, I do know what part you're talking about. Is Mrs. Chen all right? Like, did she get killed off too? <laughs> I yeah, I think he left her fast enough. Hopefully. But then, like, yeah, I don't know. So there are, like, a lot of, like, questions left. And I think it's just supposed to be that type of movie where you're like, don't question it. Just enjoy it. <laughs> well, I'm surprised that he was able to not eat Eddie for that long if he has, like, been restricted from eating other people yeah that's the that's one thing i would like more clarity on though like I, a thing i can't overlook is that does he not have the will to eat eddie because what makes eddie special that he doesn't die from this relationship yeah it's very bizarre because like in the comics that hunger is still there so he's always like he becomes what he calls himself later in the movie, the lethal protector. Mm-hmm. So he just goes around city to city eating criminals so that he also doesn't die until he develops cancer, then gives up the venom symbiote. And then it goes on to another character and so Spoilers. on. Spoilers. So what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Turn off. Turn off. <laughs> That's after 15 years of reading venom comics. Oh. <laughs> that came out like breathing for you. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, but I do like that they both needed each other after they split up. I mean, that was going to be obvious, but the way that they realized it was was nice to see uh, see them come back together and in like a really funny way of an apology type of thing. Yeah, they achieved symbiosis. Symbiosis? Symbiosis. Kumbayasis. Kumbayasis, there you go. <laughs> 
I I got a big kick out of um out of seeing Venom on the big screen again, and and I feel like I I kind of like let my expectations kind of drop a little bit just because again I didn't hate the first movie. It's just I thought there were a lot of issues with it. Um, but you know I I think in the in the long run I'm surprised how well this uh, series has kind of been received because I never thought I'd see the day where you have a Venom series of movies that's up to this point made no reference to Spider-Man. Yeah, it is really weird to see and not to see Topher Grace be uh, be Venom. Until Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, <gasps> you'll see Topher Grace return. Venom versus Venom will be awesome. Um, Tom Hardy versus Topher Grace, who played it better? Probably Tom Hardy. Uh, I don't know. I kind of like Topher Grace. Topher Grace had brought some of that like weird, like snug, smug nose brat kind of appeal to to him. But that, yeah, that's the difference. Is like, what type of venom do you like better? Because like this one is a more tamed, like the like an actual, almost like a good guy, like an anti anti hero, whereas that venom was like really steered into being the bad guy. And it's two different stages of Venom that we see. Because in the comics, that's exactly... Topher Grace's Venom is exactly what you get in the comics in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does develop into more of the Tom Hardy version of Venom after years of um, people writing him and passing him along. Because that's ultimately what kind of happens. is like At some point, some comic book writer does something cool with it, and then everybody else copies him from there. Yeah, I feel like that stuff gets kind of like breezed by in this movie where he doesn't feel like an outcast at all. And he doesn't feel like he's doing terrible at his job. Like they mention it once, but it's also like, well, how long has it been where you've been in a slump? Like that's where the timeline thing needed to be cleared up. Yeah. Because it's almost like they have to visually remind you that Eddie's a loser, you know, to, to like tell him he's huge. Like he's jacked. Like when he stood next to that cop, he towered over him. And I'm like, this is not a loser. This guy's like (laughs) a dominant force. This man is an Adonis. <laughs> he really is. It's Bane. <laughs> Bane. Um, Bane wearing a Letterman's jacket. True. <laughs> it's that guy from Fortnite. <laughs> that Fortnite skin, though. I'm glad they introduced those little emotes. Anyway, <laughs> um, Cletus Cassidy. Yeah. Woody Harrelson. Woody. What, what do you think? I think he did the best that he could with what he was given. I don't think it really worked, but I think Woody's like a good enough actor to make like the crazy aspect come to come to screen. But I don't know if I like the way that maybe this is how it's done in the comics, but I don't really like the way that he got the powers. Seemed a little too like simple. In the comics, he gets them in a similar fashion. Um, but it, it, it Venom gives birth basically to a new symbiote because in the comics the symbiotes aren't gendered they're like amoebas basically Mm -hmm. um and so this uh particular piece of venom i guess goes and latches onto cletus cassidy because he's a murderer (laughs) he lusts for blood and so it's the mixture of the symbiote with the poison that they're injecting him that creates carnage essentially so it's kind of the same in, in in you know in essence 
So is there actually a difference of color of them? Because there was a few different color ones from the first movie. Yes. There, I don't know the exact um, differences between them. There, There is meaning behind the different colors. Okay. Because that was remember, hilarious when he, when he goes like, oh, no, it's a red one. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> All I remember is that the, the red means that the host and the symbiote are literally are are a match like 100 percent match but which is why it was kind of weird later on in the movie they're like oh they that didn't achieve downfall. yeah they're like they didn't achieve symbiosis and i'm like well that was the whole point of it in the comics i like, assumed red was like more powerful yes i don't know more powerful but also like they were a perfect match for each other so if if a symbiote combines with a human host they speak when they when they speak they say we right mm-hmm. and when when they're a perfect uh host it's just i so they're literally they both meld into one person so it's no they don't keep individuality okay which makes sense because then woody was like yelling like you're hurting her well the difference here is cletus cassidy didn't get um he 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 literally just i guess stays cletus cassidy and then you have the carnage symbiote versus in the comics where they're one and the same person now. Yeah. Did you feel like we got a lot of background story for him? And then we Just knew we, he was, yeah, he was going to, we knew he was going to lose in this movie and they killed him. They didn't just like resentence him or anything like that. Yeah. That was maybe my second biggest issue with this movie is we got so much out of him. And I feel like there's a lot of potential there, but to just yeah. go ahead and kill him off. In Which is fine if you're not going to give him like a crazy amount of background story. I mean, it, it is a weird to introduce one villain per movie and just like introduce kill, introduce kill. Like, but that was a lot of background story and time committed to him. That's kind of what Sony does, though. I mean, like, look at the old Spider-Man movies. You introduce iconic villain Sandman. after iconic villain, then you kill them. Yeah. Except for Sandman, he survives. True. He's still out there. He had to go save his daughter. He had reason to be a bad guy. Well, I did like Sandman. I liked him too. I kind of hope we see him back again. He had a great t-shirt and I had a very similar one to it. So I used to you mean the Blue's time. Clues t-shirt? It was green, so no. I thought it was like the Blue's Clues guy. He wore the same shirt as Sandman, doesn't he? No, Blue's Clues wears a blue striped polo, long sleeve. Sandman wears a green and white striped. That's where you're wrong, sir. Steve from Blue's Clues wears a green with green stripes shirt. Uh-oh. You and your Blue's Clues knowledge. Look, I've been watching a lot of Blue's Clues lately, okay? So, <laughs> by the way, did you know there's a new guy? Like, they changed him again. Like, a fourth guy? Oh, it is a green polo. Wow. I just got Mandela affected. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Joe, the second Blue's Clues guy. No, I was the Steve guy. Me too, but I, I still remember Joe. Like, oh, he those the, promos. Yeah, the next person wore blue. I don't remember those promos. Maybe I watched Blue's Clues for too long. That's probably it. But back to Cletus Cassidy. Yeah. The, the murderer. <laughs> Give us your thoughts on the, the murderer. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of thought that this movie would have benefited from our rating to fully like explore the Carnage storyline because he's 
he's a brutal guy. Um, but I, I, I guess I can kind of see the appeal for sticking with PG-13 because it means more box office money too. Um, but yeah, I, I, I also feel like um, to echo some of your thoughts, Woody did a good job with what he was given, but what he was given wasn't all that much, which kind of sucks because I feel like Woody Harrelson was the perfect guy to play Carnage, and he would have been the perfect guy to play like a, a psychopath. Um, I don't know if you've seen War for the Planet of the Apes, but he was great in that movie too. Yeah, unfortunately, I did see that movie. Uh, yeah, I feel like this is where, if we could rewrite history, I would make Carnage introduced and a villain in the first movie so that you could explore more in this one and carry it over. But using him as just a cutscene after credits scene in the first movie wasn't enough. And then, like, that started the buildup of him. And then it's... It was a lot of time devoted to his background story, but it also felt kind of rushed in a weird way. I don't know how it can be both, but it was. It did, because it's almost like they were trying to get him to something that just wasn't delivered here. Yeah. Because even the relationship with his uh, with his girlfriend, with Shriek, it was kind of brushed over a little bit. Like, well, you got little tidbits of... of the, you know them being in the relationship before but you never got to explore why they meant so much to each other you know you, you never got any of that you never fully developed their complex relationship that you get from the comics with them because part of the irony is this this girl can probably kill carnage and venom because of her ability to scream really loudly <laughs> um, yeah so and that was like it. that was like the one thing i had a true problem with is like you're introducing this character just because she is like the kryptonite for both of these characters. And you're only going to use it in that fashion. And it's very obvious, especially when you say it twice. Like, what's the only way to kill a symbiote? Uh, sound and fire. Okay, well, you did that in the first movie. So I wonder how this one's going to pan out. Right. Right. She was there deliberately just for that. Although I do appreciate the fact that we didn't actually get to see that. All that much at all like her defeating carnage or venom with sound she um, sort of did she tried to I, I i do gotta say i i will i really really laughed at the part where it's the, like eddie and venom come to the realization that shriek is right there mm-hmm. you know they're like oh yeah sound we can use that to defeat carnage and i'm thinking oh they're gonna let her scream and instead of doing that they yeet her into the bell <laughs> Yeah, I was confused at that. I thought they were going to be like, say, like, Eddie was going to convince her to save Cletus and scream. And then Eddie could take on the carnage thing alone. But yeah, why did he just like smack her off the building? I think that was kind of the disconnect between him and Venom, where he looked at it as like, oh, she's going to scream and do the, you know, incapacitate him. Venom just looked at it as an opportunity to shove this girl into the into the <laughs> bell and accomplish the same thing. Yeah. Which okay. was an uneventful death for her. Yeah, and then she couldn't save herself with one more scream, which I guess is fine, because... What, what are either of these characters without the other, you know? Yeah. It just kind of, it also seemed like she had a change of heart really quickly and really out of nowhere. Well, she's very, uh, like, a spiteful character. Like, if you harm her, 
then she wants revenge. Like, just like with the cop, right? She didn't get killed by him, and she actually attacked him first, but because he hurt her, she needed to see him die. True. But then, like, why then have a problem with Carnage going to do the, to the same level of pettiness about to kill, you know, Eddie Brock's love interest? Because she means nothing to him or to her. And because Carnage had, like, hit her once and then warned her, like, you do it again and I'll kill you. No, yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is, remember, the line that she says is, you're going too far when he gets um, when he gets Eddie Brock's love interest. Um, what's her, I forgot her name. Kate, I think. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, why did she say that? It just seems so off to me, right? Like, she had a quick change of heart, and she's like, "Oh, you're you're taking things too far." And I'm like, "Why now?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was confused about that in the movies, and I totally forgot about that. I also love the scene when Carnage acknowledges Venom as his father. That whole line between <laughs> him and the priest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, there. I like that they're able to sprinkle some comedy in during the fight. And like I said before, the fighting in these movies really works well because they combine slow motion movements with like the right distance from the animation. Obviously it is. Uh, And I think what was improved from this one to the, from the first one is that the first one like mixed in a little too much of like the humans fighting because like Eddie's not supposed to be a fighter and Carnage is like a, creepy serial killer he's not like a brawler right not not carnage uh cletus cletus one of the best names for villain <laughs> yeah that's a that's a great alliteration cletus cassidy reminds me of butch cassidy and the sundance kid yeah <laughs> um any last thoughts on the movie before we talk on the post credits um, yeah, are they teasing Toxin at the end of this movie with uh, the eyes glowing blue of the detective? Wasn't it Malmouth or something? Yeah, that depends on your interpretation of Toxis. So why don't you just tell me what you think that means? Oh, uh, Toxin is the symbiote that bonds with the detective in the comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad but you it, noticed that, though. But, but it kind of leads me to um, Detective Mulligan. That's his name. Um, oh, a do-over. Yeah, Toxin, I think, is Carnage's offspring. But I didn't see any sort of indication that he had a symbiote latch onto the detective. So it just kind of caught me by surprise that his eyes were glowing blue at the end of the movie. Because yeah. they zoomed into his face. You know, they did. Like... They they made a point of that. And I don't remember, like, I mean, Carnage did handle the guy for a little bit, but he wasn't the one who killed him at the end of it. Right. So I don't know. It was just kind of weird to me, especially since we're about to talk about the end credit scene. Why set up this future <laughs> when it looks like you're kind of taking things in a completely different route? Um, not that I'm complaining that much, but. Yeah, this feels like a Zack Snyder Justice League type of thing where it's like you get a lot of different things to set up for the future. And I don't know if we're actually going to ever see these. What are your thoughts on the on the and I guess we should probably lay it out for for the for the audience. Just the just one person who hasn't seen it, who's wants to 
get spoiled for our comrades out there. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, so basically the end credit scene, the important one is Eddie and Venom are on vacation and they're watching TV, watching some telenovela. And then there's like a weird static thing in the world and then they're in a different hotel room and they're watching that James Jonah Jameson Jingleheimer Schmidt broadcast about Peter Parker being Spider-Man. So they've And then Venom licks the screen. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. So they've <laughs> launched into the MCU with that end credit scene, which is why this movie's probably more important to fans than just being a Venom movie. Uh so yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Start with the um, TV licking. <laughs> well, clearly, um, Venom is a Tom Holland stand all the way through. Um, Get in line, 100%. pal. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, Venom has seen the shirtless pics of Tom Holland on Twitter. Wow, um, I mean, unreal. <laughs> um, so, I, I guess, like, w- obviously we're meant to, like, um, get hyped up for the future here but and i am i am too i mean like i think <laughs> this is a good um if if this means that tom hardy's venom is now permanently in the mcu i applaud the decision because i feel like he'll be in better hands <laughs> in the mcu um especially somebody like kevin feige i feel like could probably find a really like really really good material for tom hardy mm-hmm. um this is one of those cases though where were introduced to Venom before Sp- Spider-Man. So are we going to get any elements of that black suit storyline? I don't know. Um, mm. I kind of hope so, but maybe in a different way. Like, I don't want to see the... Um, Dancing? Yeah, we, I can do without I, that. That's my only stipulation to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, will, I will put my money on... I feel like... For the next Spider-Man movie, we'll probably see Venom as the antagonist for it. Um, I don't think we'll see Venom in No Way Home, and I don't think we'll see Venom yeah. in Doctor Strange. Yeah, I don't see how they, unless it's like another end credit type of thing or like a last scene type of thing. I don't see them putting Tom Hardy in that movie for an important role. But yeah, that does get me excited to be like, how are we gonna? merge this world are they going to be instantly enemies turned into friends are they never going to turn into friends or are they only going to be friends like how is this going to play out i would love to see him in no way home with a bigger role but like i just said i don't think it's going to be that case yeah i think he's a thread that's going to get picked up in 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 spider-man 4 i guess at this point um but really like to me it kind of says two things like we're about to really open the big door i guess on the multiverse um i didn't think they would actually do this i thought they would keep these universes separate and maybe make andrew garfield or toby mcguire the spider-man of that universe um probably andrew mcguire i'm sorry andrew mcguire (laughs) (laughs) the offspring of of the two i love it merging (laughs) probably andrew garfield right like that's what that's where I thought they were going to take it. But Why? Because he's younger? 
No, because it would make sense, right? Because then, like, if if that's the case, then Sony can can have their own Spider-Man universe still, while letting Marvel keep the Tom Holland version going. Uh, but I I guess uh, that's not what we're what we're doing here. So it's too much. Then it's just like I just need one Spidey and one Venom. That's true. I, I am looking forward to what they do with him. And, and I do feel like Venom will be the, the villain for Spider-Man 3. Or 4. Yeah, 4, but, I guess. It's but it's weird that they would introduce, like, use this cutscene to be like, we're introducing Venom into this world at the beginning of the events of Spider-Man Far From Home or No Way Home. What what are we on now? What home? No Way Home. No Way Home. Mm-hmm. So it's weird that they would do that and not be like, like, how long is it going to take... Eddie to get from wherever he is, Malibu to uh, New York. to New York. Well, depending on the airline you're flying, it looks no, Venom, like Venom take... can make it easy. On JetBlue, he can, but definitely not Delta. He's gonna have to wait. Like he's gonna make a pit stop in Atlanta. It looks like, and It'll then come up on a way. X-ray test too. Yeah, basically what I'm saying is he's only gonna make it to an end credit scene at No Way Home. I don't think he's gonna make it to the yeah that's like the logical bet but i just want it to be where he comes in and there's no enemy stage it's just them as like friends and he helps them fight off the six enemies well i have a feeling because like venom is almost like power hungry in this movie you get what i mean like he's he's thirsting for more he wants attention yeah that was a that was a major theme at that rave and then I feel like he got a bit of it, and he wants more of it, for sure. And he licks the screen so passionately. I got to think that he definitely wants to bond with the Tom Holland Spider-Man, because he sees him as That's a how I took theme. it. Not as, like, a, I need to feast on him, but more of, like, a... This guy has the attention if I team up with him type of thing. Yeah. Like, you ever see Ingrid Goes West? I never actually watched it, but I, I heard it was good. Like he reminds me of Ingrid in that movie when he looks at when she looks at um what's her name Elizabeth Olsen's character oh and she's like kind of like craving the attention uh, that she's getting. I'll take your I, word. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I feel like Venom's gonna stalk um Spider Man. He's gonna unbond with Eddie, go with Spider Man, and then probably to turn him somewhat corrupt him maybe a little bit. Well, and then like the movie said, will probably be him. Get in line, cause. I'm already stalking Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, I think that's that's a good spot to end at, unless you have any last thoughts on it. Um, no, I think I think that about does it. Well, if if, if any other thing, I kind of hope that we get another shot at Carnage at some point. Maybe with um, there's just so many like iconic storylines with Venom teaming up with Spider-Man to take out Carnage because that's how much of a threat he was. Um, so it'd be nice to revisit that at some point, but I, I don't think we'll see Carnage anytime soon again. It seemed pretty definitive how it ended in this one, so it does seem hard to come back to, but I agree I'd like to see another attempt at it or even just building on what they had so that they don't have to work backwards and then before they can go forwards. Or maybe he has a variant in the MCU universe. Mm, now we're talking. Variant Cletus, you never know. Cletus too. I like it. Yeah. All right, so we'll end it there. Uh, 
as always, if you feel like we missed anything or if you want to chime in on any of the conversation, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at BT Fourth Wall, for being 4th. Otherwise, thanks, thanks for listening. For listening.